live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let's see what's going on today. Oh, yes. Yesterday afternoon, late afternoon, in, in what is a decision that should not have been surprising to, to anyone, the state of Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down the safer at home rules, finding that they were an unconstitutional delegation and exercise of authority. Now, one of the things that it, it's just so interesting to listen to the rhetoric, including from people who should know better, that this decision is not based on the merits of whether or not Governor Evers had the most brilliant strategy at all to fight coronavirus or whether it was just sort of a -a whack-a-mole sort of approach that had no sense at all. What, What this ruling was was a question of whether under the law the government, in this case the the governor through his unelected, unconfirmed health secretary, could impose these sweeping restrictions, which essentially would put people in prison, potentially, for deciding to leave their homes. That it's Again, and this is what gets lost in a lot of the rhetoric, and the court said, correctly in my opinion, that this is a bridge too far, that you don't have the authority to do that, which means now... You have to go back to a starting point, and the governor needs to work with the legislature in developing rules. So that that's where we are. But I thought the reaction was just incredibly interesting, and some of the reaction bordered on, on hysteria. For example, I'm going to share a couple of these things with you, but I, I sent out a tweet last night that got a lot of response. I, I, I was reading... This, this hysterical reaction that you were getting from a number of people, politicians, elected officials, etc., who were saying, this is, this is going to be devastating. I mean, you're, you're going to be talking about enormous loss of life. This is terrible. And it was interesting because I went back, and many of the same people who were making these predictions last night were the same people who were saying, if we have an in-person election on April 7th, it's going to be the end. Of, you're going to have all these people dying, and you're going to have thousands of people who are getting sick. And that just didn't happen. So, I mean, again, I, I wonder, you know, the same people that are making the hysterical sort of predictions now, saying the same thing April 7th, they were wrong then. You know, might, might they be wrong now? I just ask that question. So, all right, I want to look at, at some of the... The predictions, just to start the program off, that they came out here. Governor Tony Evers, up until now, Wisconsin was in pretty good place in our battle against COVID-19. We had reached almost all of our gating criteria. We had opened up 14,000 small businesses across the state. Well, well yes and no. He'd, he'd, he'd opened them up to a couple people in the building. We put people back to work, and it was because of the good work of Wisconsinites across our state who banded together, stayed home, and stayed safe. Despite that good work, Republican legislatures have con- legislators have convinced four justices to throw our state into chaos. 
throw our state into chaos. Later on, he went to describe this as the Wild West. All right, well, you know, let me just, just say this at the start. Well, last night after the decision came out, my wife and I said, we're going to take a drive. Just, you know, I'm curious as to what what is going on. So we drove through several of the communities surrounding where I live. I, I, I did not see chaos. I saw one bar, one bar that was open, and we kind of looked through the window as we drove by the street. It looked like there were three or four people in there. I, I did not see mass chaos. This morning, it was out and about. Did not see chaos anywhere. Matter of fact, I, I, I didn't see too much more open now than what was open yesterday because I think a lot of businesses are trying to figure out, okay, how can we get employees back? How can we get stuff back responsibly? But the governor says the state is in chaos. Huh. Now, I, I know what chaos looks like. I'm not sure we've seen it. The virus, he continues, has killed more than 400 of our family members, friends and neighbors, and thousands more across the state are sick. I am disappointed in the decision today. I am ready to work um, after months of unproductive posturing. I hope the folks in the legislature are ready to do the same. Okay. All right. That's him. Then let's see. Uh, you have Tammy Baldwin. Uh, via Twitter, the people of Wisconsin have done their part to advance our common good during the pandemic, and now the Wisconsin Supreme Court has done the bidding of Senator Fitzgerald and Representative Voss once again to put politics ahead of public health. It's shameful they can't put your health and safety first. Okay, well, the, the court's there to interpret the, the law, and I, I guess that this idea that Tammy Baldwin knows better, that, that she she is the one that knows what's going to preserve the, the health of the community, I find it to be interesting. Chris Larson, state senator who recently lost his bid to be Milwaukee County Executive. I am stunned by the blatant partisanship and reckless disregard for human life displayed today by some politicians on our Wisconsin Supreme Court. Um, Our neighbors' lives should matter more than being seen as political pawns in an ideological game of chess. Larson saying this is going to be the end of the world. Mandela Barnes, lieutenant governor. Um... Disappointed but not surprised. They put lives at risk by forcing an election. Of course they were going to double down. It's like no lives matter. This is bad. Gwen Moore. While Governor Evers has continued to use science and data to guide his decisions, including the decision to extend his safer-at-home order, and in his attempt to delay the April primary, the Supreme Court has politicized the pandemic every step of the way. First, their court forced Wisconsin residents to risk their health, their safety, and their lives to exercise their right to vote. Unsurprisingly, but still tragically, we are still seeing the impact of this decision now. There are at least 52 positive COVID-19 cases linked to the in-person primary. Let me just stop there for a second. Where is PolitiFact when you need it? Because right, here, here is the reality of this, that claim that if we have that in-person election, and you can argue the merits of that one way or the other, if we have that in-person election, it's going to lead to all this cat- catastrophe. did not happen. That, that 52 number actually is low. What they have traced statewide is 71 people, 71 people who voted in the election on April 7th, on April 7th subsequently were diagnosed with COVID-19. But nobody, nobody in authority traces that back necessarily to the election. It's not that they can prove that because, matter of fact, when they did the interviews, I think they found for a good portion of these people that they went out and and they, they did all sorts of other things. Nobody, nobody is saying that this is traced back, that anybody that got it got it necessarily standing in the polls. But 
Glenn Moore doesn't want to let the facts lower down. Now justices in the state Supreme Court are deliberately ignoring the fact that there are more than 10,000 positive COVID-19 cases in the state and more than 400 Wisconsinites have died, etc., etc. All right. Now, I, I thought one of the interesting things that, that I saw yesterday came from Paul Farrow, who is the Waukesha County Executive and who may be the next governor of this state if he decides to choose to run. After the decision came out, Farrow put out a statement. Let me share a portion with you, and then I want to talk about it. He says, the health and safety of the public is my top priority. We have already seen essential businesses take extraordinary steps to continue to provide service while keeping their employees and members of the public safe. And there's no reason why other businesses can't do the same. In light of the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling, many businesses that have been closed will choose to open their doors tomorrow, and many others will choose to expand their operations. We trust our businesses will do so responsibly. All Waukesha County businesses should continue to follow CDC guidelines for social distancing and cleaning and disinfecting whenever possible. They should also consider the guidelines provided by the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and consult with their respective trade or business organizations to identify industry best practices to safely welcome back employees and customers. All right, so that's essentially what he said. While there is no longer a safer-at-home order, there is still COVID-19 in our community. Be smart, be vigilant, and stay safe. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So on the one hand, you have some hysterical reaction by, by politicians. Oh, this is the Supreme Court. They're nothing but politics. All they do, they don't care about people dying. On the other hand, you have somebody like Paul Farrow who is saying, okay, no safer at home. Businesses have been operating under guidelines. We expect that they're going to continue to manage best practices. Nobody wants to get anybody sick. We expect more people will open. We encourage them to do that in a thoughtful way. All right, is that too much to expect? Can we reopen or allow businesses to reopen in various areas? Can we trust them to be responsible? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's what Farrow is saying. He's making it very clear that I don't think he has any intention, at least from the perspective of Waukesha County, for trying to extend stay-at-home, safer-at-home, whatever you want to call them, orders, and close businesses down. Right? Is that reasonable? Can we trust businesses and can we trust people to do the right thing. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I mean, I think, you know, what what some of these doom and gloom and the hysterical predictions, you know, what, what they fail to take into account is that, look, most of us get it. You know, and, and this idea that, okay, just because, let's say, the, the luggage store opens up and it might it might let more than five people in. I mean, it just it might let more than five people in. Or just uh, so the barbershop opens up and, you know, they might actually start cutting people's hair. That, that doesn't mean it is going to be a free-for-all. And I think one of the things that a lot of us have found frustrating is the, the picking winners and, and losers. Here, we're, gonna, we're going to say that the Walmart and the Costco and the Target can be open. You can have hundreds of people in the fleet farm, but we're going to say this other business can't, can't open. 
you know, which which has never made any sense to me a- at all. And I think what happens is businesses start to reopen. There, nobody wants to get people sick. Nobody wants that because that will then kill their business. You're going to see, you know, businesses are going to, my guess is, reopen gradually. You're going to see restaurants that are going to space people out. And and people, I guess, I I trust, in general, I trust people to be smart. I, I don't think that as a general rule you are going to see hundreds of people piling into a small bar. Now, I understand there's the one film, the TV stations were out all across the state trying to find it. You've got the film of the uh, the, the college bar in Platteville where you've got a bunch of people that are piled in. Most of the other bars that I saw, and there were only a handful that were open, you had a couple people that were sitting at the bar. I didn't see thousands of people lined up, and truthfully, I, I think most people are going to just make the decision as to what it is that they're comfortable with. All right, let's start with J.D. in Waukesha. J.D., you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for the show. I really enjoy it. Um, my, my point is this. Uh, we, we're all adults. We all are uh, humans. We all make decisions, just like the people at the city and the state or even the federal level. We're intelligent. We're able to make decisions that's best for us. As far as the data and information, you know, I called down there and talked to some of the, the city people uh, in, the, in the Milwaukee area who didn't even know some of the facts and the numbers, and they work here. So my point is this. We're intelligent enough as business and individuals and adults and parents to make decisions knowing the situations and all the different things that are out there. We're not naive. We understand what's going on, and no one wants anyone to die, at least I don't. And so I think that we can make our own decisions. Right. Well, thanks for the call. Well, see, I, I think that's my, my point all along. I, and two months ago, COVID-19 and coronavirus was kind of this unknown thing. We, we just we, we didn't know how fatal it was going to be. We didn't know how contagious it was going to be. You know, we, we didn't know who this was going to hit, et cetera, et cetera. Two months into this, we're, we're starting to see these these patterns. And, and again, we we understand that for the really bad results, that, that 400 deaths, what is it What is it mostly? It's people over the age of 60 or, and mostly and, people who also have some significant underlying health issues, which tells me that, you know, we, we need to communicate that, and, and those people need to be much more careful in their, their interactions. We don't want to overwhelm the hospital system, but we haven't come close to doing that. And just because we allow... I don't know the luggage store in my example to you know have a handful of people in it or just because we allow the barber shop to go back to business that that doesn't mean I think that all of a sudden you're going to see this huge outbreak what do we need to do we need to use what we've learned over the last two months where do we know the problems are nursing homes and some industrial settings like meatpacking plants shouldn't we be concentrating our efforts there trying to make sure that the people in the nursing homes are safe and it doesn't spread and it doesn't get in there or the meatpacking plants isn't that where we, we haven't we learned anything and can't we take what's happened over the course of the last couple months and use that to educate ourselves as to where the priorities need to be john in milwaukee john you're on wtmj good afternoon Hey, how you doing? Uh, I agree with Good. the last caller about being intelligent decisions, but I agree also with the Supreme Court. You have Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, Target, Walmart, gas stations, grocery stores, pet stores, liquor stores. I'm out and about all the time bumping into everybody. Everything's okay. Healthy people shouldn't be punished for this. We're smart. If you have underlying conditions and you're sick, yes, please don't go out. Communities like Door County, 
will suffer greatly if they don't open up the mom-and-pop stores, which that's all there is past Sturgeon Bay, mm-hmm. uh, come Memorial Day weekend and maybe even before. It just And even at the beginning, if you remember with the N95 mask, when they're saying the only way you'll not get this is by an N95, which you can't get, and now all of a sudden they're saying any kind of face piece, handkerchief, so forth. It was wrong I, to shut down the way they did. It's right to open up. Thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to get go go back on this whole mask thing. But it, and again, my point is, stores or businesses want to wear masks. Have you wear masks as a condition of going in? I think that is a perfectly reasonable thing for them to do. If you are more comfortable wearing a mask, I have no problem with doing that at all. I, I do. I do think that, you know, it's interesting to me that back at the beginning of the whole mask thing, you had the CDC that came out and said, eh, it doesn't, it's not going to make any difference. It, and remember, that's, that was the guidance. And then I, I think, in part, less dictated necessarily by science and more by this desire that people want to do something and they want to feel in control. So now we're told wear a mask. Well, that, that's okay one way or the other. I, I really don't have an issue much one way or the other, other than my sense is that that probably, going back to what the CDC used to say, probably just just makes people feel good okay does it really do anything um in the typical setting i don't know but if the business wants you to wear a mask wear a mask um let's see 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line jeff i have a family in fort myers area they opened three weeks ago fully with low capacity in restaurants and bars um, and between 50 to 75% capacity in large retail stores. They have not had an outbreak or spike in numbers, and everybody has been respecting the rules of engagement. Well, well, right, that, that's, that's it. Nobody is saying, hey, run out and cough on somebody else. But, but as long as people kind of respect that, as kind of long as you step back, and I understand that there's people who don't want to take that risk. And I respect that. So, so don't do it. That that's fine. If you don't feel comfortable going into a grocery store, or you don't feel comfortable going into a paint store, or you don't feel comfortable going into a furniture store, or you don't feel comfortable riding in a golf cart playing golf with your best friend, don't, 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 don't. There's nothing that says that you have to do it. We pick it up right there in just a minute. All right. Is this going to be the apocalypse? Paul Farrow, the Waukesha County. Um, the, the, the head of Waukesha County, he's um, saying, county executive, he's saying, hey, hey look, okay, we're, we're not going to be imposing new regulations. We encourage businesses to be smart about this. We encourage our citizens to be smart about it, period. Is that an irresponsible way to proceed? Uh, we pick it up right there. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jeanette in Green Bay. Hi, Jeanette. You're on WTMJ. Um, hello. I just wanted to give you my observation from Green Bay. We live in downtown Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Brown County, hot spot. So last night, we took a ride down on Broadway and State Street. It's kind of an entertainment area, a lot of, a lot of right. uh, little bars and stuff. Wide open. I know the area well. 12 12 open. Parking lots full uh, from social media and um, pictures in the press and whatnot. Very few, very few face masks. Definitely no social distancing. 
And I guess my my reaction to was I was just really disappointed, and I can't imagine if I was a healthcare worker or um, an EMT, emergency response person who had been working so hard and who we we say we're honoring, et cetera, I would be so disappointed. I mean, it was like the order came in and immediately. I mean, it was like a herd stampede. And from, do you, uh, do you think it's comments, going to be like that tonight? Do you think it's going to be like that tonight, or might that have just been well, a one day here, you know, we're, you know, it's kind of like the first well, day in, of spring where we're going to rush in, out? In Brown, in, in Brown County, our, our health department, from what I gather, um, has issued an order um, of some sort. I don't know all the political words yeah. for it. To keep it in, uh, to keep it, they had to close down until May 20th. Um, right. And so I assume it, it will be, it will be closed down. But uh, when this, when it does open up, I can't imagine in all your rural areas, local bars, et cetera, um, I, I don't see a whole lot of being careful, et cetera. I, I just don't well, see it. Th- thanks for the call, Jeanette. I, so, I mean, I, I, hope you're, I hope you're wrong. I, I, and again, look, I, around where I live, like I said, we, we looked. There, I, found, I saw one bar that was open, and there were only a couple people that were, were in there as we, we looked through the window. And I, I know that the one that's getting all the play is this college bar in, in Platteville. And, and I'm sure maybe there were some areas where you had a lot of people that were out there. I, I just, I mean, I, I guess I trust people to be smart. And I, I'm, the, the bar and restaurant owners, you know, you want to count on them to recognize that, you know, you, you don't want people to get sick at your place because that, that's going to ultimately kill your business. So, I, I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the guidelines that are out there, the recommendation is if you reopen, you reopen at, at half capacity or two-thirds capacity, and you kind of ease your way into this. And maybe I'm just being naive that I, I trust I, I trust businesses to want to do the right thing. And I know there's a lot of frustration from businesses that are out there, especially ones that have been closed over the last couple months, who, who just don't think it was fair that they were ordered to be closed when the Costco's and the Walmarts of, of the world were allowed to, to be open. But still, I mean, you want to count on people that are being smart, and you want to count on people doing smart things because, you know, nobody wants to end up getting sick. Here's a text, Jeff. With people respecting the rules of engagement at restaurant bars, you can still have asymptomatic carriers giving the virus unknowingly. Seemingly healthy people getting other people sick as the virus reacts differently with different people. Don't you feel like you have a moral responsibility to help other people stay safe? Do you really need to go out that badly to put other people at risk? At which point in time, my response is, explain to me the end game. Because, see, that's, you know, first of all, there, there are asymptomatic people that are out there. They're still going into grocery stores. They're still going into Menards. They're still going into Target. So, I mean, th- this possibility is out there. And I think I what I've been arguing all along is, you know, if you're going to get it from an asymptomatic carrier, your chances are, are probably a lot greater if you're in a crowded grocery store, you know, or a Target with a couple hundred people than you are if, if you are in you know, a, a small sort of, of setting where there's only a half dozen people around. That's one of the things that I've thought has just never made sense about the way we have approached things and, and what we're we're doing. The the other question I have, and, and this is it is a legitimate one, and I, I understand that there's people out there who who just I, I, I shared an email from a, a listener I got yesterday who just said that she's not going back to restaurants until there's a vaccine. 
She just doesn't feel comfortable with it. And her, she had read something about how the virus can spread through like the the air system. And I, I, I most most doctors say that's not the case, but but who knows? But she said, I'm not going back until you know we we have a vaccine, which is a year away, two years away, what whatever. I mean, see, my frustration is, yes, you you can. At some point in time, you have to allow businesses to reopen. Explain to me the end game. If we accept as a premise that we are going to have COVID-19 with us through the summer, through the fall, through the winter, my guess is there's going to be hot spot outbreaks that, that occur when it comes into a particular business but the, or, you know, workplace or, or whatever. That That's that's why don't we have to figure out a way to deal with it and kind of live with it and minimize it as opposed to saying, OK, we're just going to shut everything down because, for example, you've got some of these different counties, Milwaukee County, Racine County, Kenosha County, which are all the hot spot areas, by the way, for for COVID-19. And so you have the, the health people and you have the mayors or the county executives saying, you know, we're we're going to continue to impose local orders, not allowing our restaurants to open up, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. And, and that that's fine, but they're doing it till May 21st or May 26th or whatever. W- what's going to be magic about May 21st or, or May 26th? I mean, there's there, there's there's nothing. That's why there's some governors in some states that are essentially saying, hey, we're going to close restaurants for the whole summer. We're, we're going to close all these businesses. We're going to impose our restrictions for, for months. I, I understand maybe that the months aspect of it, I, I have trouble understanding what the end game is um, for opening up places, I mean, is, is there going to be something magic next week? The, the Republicans of the legislature, in their meeting with Governor Evers, apparently they've taken the position, and I have no problem with it all, saying, hey, we're, we're not going to litigate whether Milwaukee County has the authority to continue its safer-at-home orders for another week. You know, we're, we're not going to end up micromanaging th- those things, all of which are, are valid kind of points. But are, are we really going to be in a different position today May 21st, May 26th. I mean, and my argument would be probably not. We're going to, like it or not, have to figure out how to live with this, how to manage this, how to reduce risk as much as possible, all the while recognizing that, you know, businesses have to open. And to the people who, without wearing masks, you know, decided they're going to pile into some local bar if, in fact, you know, that happened in Brown County last night, you do want to say to folks, what are you thinking? You know, I mean, seriously, I mean, you've got to be smart about this because nobody wants to get other people sick. And there is a burden, I think, on people to try to behave responsibly. I guess is is that really too much to ask? Back with more calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. John in Milwaukee. John, good afternoon. Thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Well, my comment is they've made laws as to where you can smoke and where you can't smoke. We have laws saying that you have to have insurance in order to drive a car. I have to have insurance in order to be licensed as a contractor. Why can't they make some kind of temporary laws saying that if you're going to open, all the employees and all the customers must wear masks? Because people are not abiding by it. I've been out, and Mm -hmm. people do not wear masks. And people do not stay six feet away from you. 
Yeah. Well, to answer your question, I mean, you, you could, I think, impose, in, in your, let, let's just talk about re- masks. Yeah, you, you, could, you could impose a restriction that says that, that you have to do it. Now, I mean, the problem is with the mask thing, how, how do you do it in, in, how do you do it in like restaurants and bars? I mean, because you, 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 you've got to eat. I mean, you have to, and you, you pull off the mask, and then you've kind of defeated the purpose. But to answer your broader question, yes, you, you could pass regulations that say, okay, you know, you have to wear a mask in public or if you're going to go into stores or things like that. I mean, you, you could do it. I don't know how you work it out with the uh, bars and restaurants, but you could do that. You think that would make people yeah, safer? I, I, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, it, it's, I've heard ideas on how people were going to do it from restaurant owners that say, you know, all our employees will be wearing masks yep. and uh, we're going to require, you know, people to, uh, you know, they'll be wearing gloves and the menus will be disposable. Right. I guess they can limit it to an extent. Myself, you know, yeah. until a month or two from now, I see that, you know, things are increasing. I'm not going to be entering restaurants or bars or anything like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, no, no, no John, know. thanks for calling. I think a lot of people are, are going to be like that. I mean, my, my guess is, and, and I understand, you know, last night you had the immediate reaction. You had people that are piling out in, into some of these area bars. My guess is as restaurants start to reopen to in-person dining, what you're going to see is you're going to see tables that are spaced out. You're going to see occupancy that's going to be limited. You're going to see the servers that are going to be wearing masks. Um, you're going to see may, maybe gloves, although there's some question about, you know, whether or not, you know, wearing gloves unless you change them all the time whether that makes a, a difference i was reading something the other day that said that if you know if you're wearing gloves out in public and you don't and and you don't change them all you're doing is you know moving you know moving the germs from one place whatever you touched once to what you touch next i but i mean i i suspect that there's going to be restrictions i will also say this i think that there's going to be places that people are going to feel comfortable going back to and places that people aren't going to be feel comfortable going back to uh there are there are things and there are places if if some of the restaurants that i like to frequent and i, I hate to use the example of restaurants but it's a broad earth because i understand there's other businesses but if, if there's some businesses that i used to go to that open up yeah i'm, I'm going to go there if there's a long line to get into places and you're going to be crowded in a, am i going to be in a hurry to do that the, the answer is no i mean i'm i, I know we, we haven't heard from what state fair is going to do yet Although, you know, everything else starts getting canceled and canceled and canceled. I think that's probably the last big thing in the summer for around here that's still open on the agenda. I don't know how they can do it. Just because even if people were allowed to pile into that, like, expo center, you know, where you you have people that are just all crushed together, even if people were allowed to do that, I I don't know that I feel, I forget, I don't know. I don't think I feel comfortable doing that. My guess is there's a lot of other people that aren't going to feel comfortable doing that. So you get to this point about, you know, what, what is the purpose of this? So, I mean, I think water is going to find its own level when it comes to all these different things. Um, I know some people out there just don't think individuals, as a general rule, can be smart, and we need government to dictate them. They don't think businesses can be smart. I, I don't know. Maybe I just have more trust. And I understand you had the TV stations that were out there trying to find the, these bars that were packed. I don't think that is going to be the norm moving forward, and I don't think there's going to be people that are going to be feel comfortable going into those particular situations as, as well. And for the people who don't feel comfortable going out and about, well, you know, keep doing what you're doing. 
that that's you know that that's the thing keep separating you know don't don't have contact with with other people you know order the food through the, the delivery services you know do that because the truth of the matter is you know covid-19 is going to be with us and that's just you know we all wish we could snap our fingers and they get a therapeutic or they get a vaccine we we all wish that was going to happen but you know who knows when that's going to happen so the the question becomes what is an individual's comfort level and what can we do to target areas where you 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 have the outbreaks the spikes to make sure that the hospital system isn't overwhelmed that that's that's kind of the key to all this, it seems to me. All right, but just because just because they open up places doesn't mean you should necessarily go. I want to tell you a story and ask you a question. Just a moment. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. You know, the scope of the, the economic impact of what's been going on over the last two months because of the pandemic, it's really, it's almost impossible to imagine. And, and I understand that, Everybody views this from their own perspective. I, I want to go out. Oh, you know, I, I want to go out and do things that I want to do. Oh, I, I people shouldn't go able to go out. It's selfish if you want to go out. All, all those different types of things. And and one of the things that I've tried to do over the course of the last couple months is, is to bring in the perspective of the, the people who have really been, been directly impacted by this in in the non medical situations. That the numbers are, are these are just staggering. Uh, new unemployment numbers out today. What they say was that um, last week, nearly three million new people filed unemployment claims. That brings the two month tally of people who've lost their jobs filing unemployment claims to thirty six million people. Thirty six million people and of course the the problem is it's not all due to you know the government ordered shutdowns and it's not going to all go away when you know whether it's wisconsin or, or nationwide whether more places start to open up because there's a lot of businesses that aren't going to be reopening because you know maybe their business wasn't doing that great to begin with and now you've got like two months of no income coming in boom it, it's kind of over so you know they're it is going to take an awfully long time to recover. And there's other businesses, of course, like the airlines. The airlines have been allowed to fly over the course of the last couple months, but, but they're not because nobody is flying, because people are uncomfortable getting on airplanes, because there's nowhere to fly to, because you fly to, you got a trip scheduled to Disney World. Well, Disney World is closed, so you end up canceling that trip. But this idea... Of, of of how devastating this has been, and I understand that there's some folks out there that just that don't care about that because that's not their focus. Maybe you're you're retired, you're living on Social Security and your savings and things like that. It doesn't matter to you if the 35 year old who you know the the husband and wife who you know trying to raise three kids have both lost their jobs or been laid off or furloughed and and they need to get back to work and they want to do it in a safe and effective fashion you know if you're 75 and living on you know social security again and your savings you don't care about those people or you care about them but it's not you know firsthand you're more concerned with hey I'm in this age group where I, I don't want to get exposed to this because if I do I'm going to get really sick so they're they're selfish by wanting to get back to work well all right you have to understand there has to be a balancing that that goes on because it's not all gee you're you're either you if you you want to go back to work and get back to quote unquote some sense of normal that means you want to kill everybody versus um gee 
we can't be concerned at all over the fact that you know there are some groups of people that if they get sick it's a really bad thing got to be able to have that balance when we come back where is the balance when it comes to one particular business i have a question we will discuss stick around this is jeff wagner wtmj Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So glad you have us with have you with us. Just because you know businesses are allowed to reopen doesn't mean that I think businesses are just going to suddenly throw on this lights and say, okay, as, as many people as want can pile in. And even if they do, I suspect that as a general rule, you know, most people are, are going to want to be cautious about this. Now, I understand that there was some film from a couple taverns, one in Platteville, where you have all these kids that pile into the bar. I, I get that. I understand that. But I think as a general rule, that's not how people are going to behave because no business owner wants to get people sick. And one of the things that I think has been drilled into us over the course of the last six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, is the fact that, you know, social distancing is important. I, I don't, you know, I don't get close to people, even when I see some of my close friends and stuff, we don't get close together. You know, I don't know, we might talk later about whether handshaking is ever going to come back, things like that. I carry my hand sanitizer, I try to keep distance, and I guess I think, I think that as somebody who's not necessarily in this high-risk category, that's that's sort of the prudent thing to do. There are, however, some things I like to do that I'm not sure when the next time is that I'm going to do it. And as a matter of fact, I sent out a tweet about this yesterday and got quite a bit of response. Um, you can follow me at, at Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. The, um, I, I think there are going to be some businesses that come back pretty quickly. There's going to be other businesses that it takes a, a while for them to come back. They, they will, but it's going to be a while, and it might be kind of a different experience. When this order came out yesterday, the very first thing I thought of was casinos. You know, when, when you think about casinos, and let's let's focus on, for example, the Native American casinos in Wisconsin. I don't want to talk about traveling to Las Vegas. I, I want to talk about the, the casinos, which incredibly popular. You've got Potawatomi in Milwaukee. You've got the Ho-Chunk out by the Wisconsin Dells. You've got the United in Green Bay. You've got other you know casinos that are scattered across the, the state. I, I think it's kind of an open question whether or not, because they are technically what the lawyers and what the federal government describes as quote-unquote Indian land, I, I honestly, off the top of my head, I, I don't know if they're voluntarily shut down or if instead they're governed by the, the safer-at-home order of the state or whether they're governed by the, you know, the, the local rules. But, but they've been shut down. I guess I, I was thinking at some point in time, Probably sooner rather than later, because there is so much money involved, there is going to be a, a push by the casinos to open up. And I, I'm trying to imagine that casino experience. And look, I, I like, I go to Las Vegas. I, I like, I, I know a number of people who are considered my friends who work, for example, at, at Potawatomi, and they've, they've been laid off. Um, I will go down there from, from time to time and, and, you know, interact and things like that. But when you think about the casino experience, I mean, think about what that is. You've got people that are, are sitting at the blackjack tables. You've got people crowded around the, the craps tables. You've got um, lots of people sitting in relatively close quarters in the, in the bingo hall. You've got people in the buffets, you know, that are interacting there. And I, I think, 
you know, I, I think buffet dining is probably a thing of the past for the foreseeable future. At least buffet dining as we as we had come to know it before this. Then you've got you know people touch the slot machine. So I mean, I sit down at a slot machine, and and even if you've pulled out a lot of slot machines so that I'm not as close to somebody else, I'm still what am I doing? I'm touching that slot machine, you know, with with my fingers, and then I'm going to get up, and somebody else is going to come down and sit in the same space that I sat at, and they're going to, you know, touch that same slot machine. I'm, I, even if they open up, you know, will will people go? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I think, you know, it's one thing to say, Okay, your your local, you know, the the local store around the corner from you. Okay, now it's reopened. You you feel comfortable going in, even if there's seven or eight other people in there. The local restaurant that that you you know hang out at, and you know the owners, and you've been going there for years, and they space, they take out a few tables, and they space it out. You know, yeah, you you can say, look, I'm willing to take the risk. I think the chance that I'm going to get sick is so remote that I, I'm willing to to go. The hair salon, the same sort of thing, but. But what about casinos? 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you are someone who has patronized a casino in the past, are you going anytime soon? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I raise this question because, again, I think this is going to be one of these businesses where even, even when they reopen the doors, it's going to be a whole different world because even though there are some of us out there, and I'm one who thinks that you've you got to have a, a reasonable balance of risk, I, I'm thinking about the casinos and touching the slot machines and everybody touching the same chips and everybody interacting in the ways you do. How, how do you run poker rooms where everybody's touching the same cards and things like that? I think it's going to be a long time between pe- before people are pouring back into casinos. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We are back to discuss in just a moment. It's one thirteen. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When when I saw that businesses were getting the, the green light to, to open up, if not today or tomorrow, certainly within the next week or so, one of the first things I thought of was casinos. Let's start with Mike on the south side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, because... We, well, let's put it this way, Jeff. We have 300, right now, 331 million people living in the United States alone. We've tested, I think, less than 2 million um, until they come up with a vaccine and they have more proper, you know, the, the PPEs. Um, I don't want to take an unnecessary risk and think that everything is back to normal when it really isn't. So I would not want to infect somebody else if I do have it. And I haven't been tested. I could be asymptomatic or... You know, I, I don't want to catch it if I'm if I'm fine. So I don't think it's worth the risk, the, the reward, uh, mm-hmm. risk reward benefit. I, I just I'm not going to do it until there is a vaccine because this has mutated now a few times. So it's this this virus does but not discriminate against. Let me ask you this: but, but before 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 this, were you a casino goer or no? I wasn't a regular. But I would go okay. sporadically. It's not, you know, 
Okay. So, but I, I guess it's a risk reward benefit, and yeah, no, I don't absolutely. want to take an unnecessary risk. Absolutely. Let me ask you this: Do you anticipate going to restaurants before there's a vaccine? Um, no, I'm going to proceed with caution okay. because I've, I've seen these numbers, and if they okay. spike, you know, I, okay, I would good. say no unnecessary risk until there is a vaccine. Okay. You know, Fauci's Fauci's the number one guy, and that's what he says. So I'm going to go by the data. Okay. Mike, Mike I, I, thanks for calling. I appreciate, it. And, and that that of course is is your decision. Now, I guess I I think, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think there's different risk levels. Um, going on a cruise ship is a different risk level. Going into a, a casino where you're going to have, by, by nature, a large number of people and everybody's going to be everybody's going to be touching the same thing. Everybody's going to be touching the same chips. Everybody's going to be touching the same slot machine screens, all those types of things. To me, that's a different risk level than, I, I don't know, uh, again, go, going into you know the, the local restaurant that you frequently patronize and you know setting if they've got like 50% occupancy or something like that or going to an outdoor beer garden. I mean, I think I agree with you. That there's different levels of risk. Everybody's going to have to find their own comfort level. And I, I mean, I appreciate and respect those people who are saying hey we're 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 not taking any sort of unnecessary risks we're not going out and doing anything other than we at what we absolutely have to do until there there is a vaccine a year from now two years from now three years from now whatever and there's no right or wrong answer it's just what you feel comfortable with 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line tony in milwaukee tony you're on wtmj hi jeff hi tony Hi, Jeff. Hey, uh, yeah, I can't wait. My machine's been calling me now for two months, my lucky machine. And uh, when I go back the first time, I'll, I'll be wearing a mask, and I'll probably wear those, right. like, thin gloves, you know, that I got, like, at the grocery store. And right. I'll be comfortable as can be. But all I'm hesitant about is going to, like, a ball game or an arena. But for, for a casino, you're still spaced apart, even if there's a lot of people in there. You're not on top of each other. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested. So you, you let me let's work on that. You are more comfortable going to like a casino and playing slot machines and and cards and stuff like that than you would be going to Miller Park. Correct. Yeah. Huh. You're you're on top of each other, Miller Park. I mean, if you got if you're at like a Cubs game, you're. I mean, people spitting their beer on. You know what I mean? <laughs> But uh, no, I, um, I won't go to the buffet there, though. Uh, buffets are a little – I've never really yeah. liked the buffets, you know. Well, I mean, well, I like thanks buffets, for coming. I mean, just... No, no, I, 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 thanks for I mean, I, I, I am with you. And, look, I, I like buffets, too. Now, I'm a Vegas guy, and, and my brother and I, we, we stay at the MGM, and they don't by far – they do not have the best buffet in town. But we like it. it it's, you know, so we'll, we'll go there. But I, I don't know how you reopen buffets anytime in, in the future because, I mean, it's – even beforehand, these were just like kind of like breeding grounds for, for whatever. Um, I, I think, you know, moving forward, if, if you're going to do the buffet concept, you're going to have to do it – with um, with servers, you're going to have to set it up like a cafeteria line where the the server, you know, the server is the only one that has access to the food, and the server is the only one that handles the the utensils, and, and they serve you. But like open salad bars and stuff like that, or the open terrines of soup, I I just I could be wrong, but I don't know how those come back. Mike on the northwest side, Mike here in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to go back to the casino eventually, uh, not right away, and I'm trying to figure out if they're going to be uh, loose on the machine to get people happy to get back or kind of tight to make up money. But that's another story. But 
I, my thoughts are if you go to a grocery store, people are touching and product, touching product and handling product, and you're going the same route as a slot machine or cars in that. Uh, it's just a different atmosphere and a different philosophy or mentality or atmosphere, I want to say. But if you're going to go, I, if I go, I'm going to take my uh, travel size hand sanitizer with me. And uh, if yeah. I play blackjack or play slots, uh, when I get done, I'll just use that Purell stuff and uh, move on to the next yeah. machine or, or leave. I'm kind of curious, Mike, moving forward, because one of the things that's definitely changed um, in in my life is that I I don't go anywhere without my little bottle of hand sanitizer. I'm sitting here in my home office. I've got my little I've got my little Purell thing here. And and after I touch stuff when I'm out, I, I routinely do that. And I mean, I don't know whether it's a slot machine or whether it's. I mean, I don't care what it is. I mean, I, I'm just constantly doing that, and I, I think I'm probably going to be doing that for the rest of my life. You in that same boat? I uh, have my travel size in my pocket right now, and uh, yeah. I use it after uh, every uh, call I make, and uh, it's yep. kind of like getting to be a routine. Yeah, no, thanks and for calling. I don't call. know if it's I, I, change. Think... I, I hope it does. No, I'm kind of tired of doing it. Well, no, I th- thanks for calling. No, I mean, I just don't – I mean, it, it's kind of like when I was a kid – Seatbelts, lots of people didn't wear seatbelts. They just, believe it or not, I'm, I'm old enough to re- remember that. Lots of people didn't wear seatbelts. Now, pretty much everybody wears seatbelts. It's just a, a routine, and it's a smart sort of thing. I, I think, and I've said this before, I think if you're looking for a silver lining to come out of the very dark cloud of the last couple months, it has been, I think, people are going to be more aware and more sensitive to personal hygiene issues, whether it's you know, washing your hands, whether it's consciously trying not to touch your face as much as, as you perhaps used to, and whether it's, again, carrying the, the hand sanitizers around or the, the handy wipes or whatever, I think that's kind of the, the new thing. Look, I'm not encouraging people to, to go to casinos or not to go to casinos, but I do think that there's going to be some businesses that are going to have to come up with, if you want to get back anything other than the hardcore. And I'm sure that there are a percentage of people who, you know, you can't wait to get back to your machine or, or whatever that is. I'm, I'm sure there's a percentage of that. But I think there's probably a lot of people who, for example, like the casino experience, but are looking at this saying, I, I don't know, that's that's just it. I mean, we've talked about this with baseball games. I appreciate what the caller was saying about going to the sporting events. I, I love going to Marquette basketball games. I love going to Bucks games. I love going to Brewers games. But it's it's going to be a while before I'm comfortable, and and, and it, it's there's not there's going to be a new normal. I mean, I just I've told this story before, but can you imagine? You go to the baseball game, and and you go up to the hot dog stand or the brat stand. You buy your brat, and then you walk across to that that condiment thing stand that they have open there, where everybody's putting the secret sauce and the and the mustard on, and you've got the open thing with the pick and rel- pickle relish and the the onions and all. I, <laughs> That, that ain't going to be there anymore. That, that's just the reality. Or you're sitting in the stands, and you know you're in the aisle, and there's somebody ten seats in who goes, "Hey, beer guy!" And the beer guy passes down the can of beer, and everybody touches it. And then the person passes the ten dollar bill back. I, you know that that's that's been a part of life and going to ball games forever. That ain't going to happen anymore. I, I just I can't imagine all that stuff. I don't know what the world is going to look like as we start to reopen up, whether it's today or tomorrow or May twenty first or may 26th or august 1st it, it's going to be different there's no question about it back with more in just a minute and by the way the governor is scheduled to speak at 1 we will carry his remarks today in light of what happened yesterday this is jeff wagner wtmj welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj it has been two months 
Since the world was put on pause, what does the future of sports in America look like? And how soon will it be before we can gather with our friends and family at restaurants and events? You can join John McCure and Greg Matzik on Tuesday. This is next Tuesday, May 19th. 4 o'clock for WTMJ Cares, a special town hall where they'll be joined by Mark Murphy from the Packers, Rick Schlesinger from the Brewers, Peter Fagan from the Bucks, and leaders in the restaurant and entertainment industry. If you have a question for the panel, you can give us a call, 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares is powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. It is sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Emmer Real Estate, Elkhart Lakes Road America and Gruber Law Offices. Okay, a lot of interesting texts here. Um, let's see. This is from Molly in the fall. She says, Jeff, I cannot wait to go back to the casino. I'll wear a mask and gloves. I'll wipe down my machine with wipes. I'll be there day one. I feel safer there in my little area over a local bar where no one is wearing masks and they are all on top of each other. Jeff, I'm thinking about blowing dice on the craps is out. Blowing on the dice at craps is out. Yeah, that's you know that that's one of again going to be interesting dynamic. And I know in Vegas they're already kind of exploring this. They're saying, okay, well if we reopen, we're going to limit you know, blackjack tables to two or three people, no more than half a dozen people around a craps table. They're all going to be separated out, which is it, it's kind of interesting as to what that makes the experience. Because if, if you've ever been in Las Vegas. And, and you walk by the craps table at, at any time of the day or night, but particularly in the evening, you, you know, you see people three deep at the craps table, and everybody is rooting for, you know, the, the person because typically you're betting on how well they do. And, and as the texter points out, you know, you've got the person shaking the dice and they're blowing on I I don't think in I don't think in this life I just don't think you're going to find that. And here's an interesting point. One of our texters says we've also found other things to do that don't cost money. Um, a lot of habit patterns have been broken, and and that's you know that there, that is a point because doing certain things, whether it's going to a casino or going to a particular restaurant or or listening to a show or watching this or what watching this program or whatever a lot of that is habit and once that habit gets broken sometimes people figure hey we're we're not going to go back i don't know what the future holds for casinos it's going to be interesting you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ welcome back to the show so glad to have you with us you know even though <clears throat> businesses can reopen there, there, it's going to be a gradual process. Um, the, the latest story in JS Online has this. You know, indoor movie theaters, which have been closed for the last couple months, they're they're now they can start to reopen. But it, it's interesting the story. The folks from Marcus and a couple of the other theater places say, you know, we we don't anticipate that we're going to start to reopen movie theaters until next month at least. So we're already said this is May fourteenth. So they're they're looking at mid June reopenings, and. They're, they're looking at soft reopenings because, again, they're trying to figure out how, how you can balance a, a comfort level. Because just, just because you say we, we're open doesn't mean that people are, are going to go. And, and the reality is there are going to be some people, and we, we've talked to some today, who aren't, aren't going out of the house for anything other than the, the barest essentials uh, until there is a, a vaccine for coronavirus, which is it's fine. It's an individual choice, and that's... That it's a year, two, 
I don't know, the quickest we've ever gotten a vaccine has been mumps. That was four years. Now, I understand it's different technology, but we're we're looking a long way off for a vaccine. But there's going to be a segment of the audience, the segment of people who aren't going to be going out in public, period, until there's a vaccine. So they're they're going to be the the stay-at-home folks. There's going to be others who I think are are going to just rush out. We were talking about that in the last segment, the folks who, as soon as the casinos open up, we're going we're gonna to be there. And then there's, I think, where the bulk of people are, which is you're, we're going to stick our toes into stuff. It's like, okay, I, I just, do I want to go back to a movie if there's a movie I really want to see? Yeah. Do I want to go on a crowded Saturday night and, and sit with two or three hundred people in the same auditorium, and 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 what about the soda machines that everybody uses? Those those, those type of things. And I think there's going to be some people who are going to take a well. Let let's wait and see, and what the theater operators are going to do, and and how they're going to address that this particular concern, and, and then we're, we're going to dip our toe into it. We'll we'll approach it gradually. And I think that's where most people are. Certainly not all, because there's, there's people on both extremes. But I think what the movie theaters are talking about doing is is sort of gradual reopenings. Like if there, if there's a chain, Marcus Theaters, how have how many theaters in, in this area? I, I don't know, a ton of them. So I don't know that they're planning on reopening everything all at once. My guess is, and I think this is what they're talking about, you know, we'll, we'll open one theater. And we'll put in certain different, we'll put in certain protocols and we'll see how the public responds to that. And if the protocols work, well, okay, maybe they'll, we'll roll out that, those with, with other theaters. If on the other hand, the protocols don't work or we don't find that they're necessary or people don't care about that, well, then maybe we can reopen other theaters with more people. But it's going to be a, a gradual process. And that's why when I hear some politicians throw around the terms, it's going to be chaos, it's going to be the Wild West. I, I just I, I don't think that that's really going to be the case moving forward because businesses are going to want people to be comfortable. And yes, I understand that last night a couple of people you know, ran out and packed a couple bars. I think that's really going to be the exception rather than the the rule. Time will tell. All right, decision yesterday, and we were making reference to it in the news. Northridge, Northridge Shopping Center. The city has now been given the go ahead pending further legal action, but they've given the go-ahead to demolish Northridge. Now, if you're a regular listener to this program, you knew I grew up in I grew up in Glendale. And Northridge, when I was a kid, that's that's where you hung out. I mean, that's where you went on Saturdays. And Northridge, when I was a kid, it was a thriving mall. You had you had movie theaters and you had a ton of restaurants and you had activities almost every weekend. It was just it was a thriving, thriving mall. And it was, it's been amazing to me and really a lesson in how fragile stuff can be. Because if you would have asked me when I was in high school, do you know, do you anticipate that there's going to be a day 20 years later when, when Northridge is essentially a ghost town? I, I would have said no. Do you anticipate a day 35 years later that Northridge is going to be an eyesore that has essentially been condemned and is being demolished? And, and my answer would have been no. Of course, look at look at all these people that are here. But there were a lot of things that went on and contributed to the demise of, of Northridge. Some of those situations, which I, I don't know, really have have changed over time. In any event, the city has condemned the buildings. 
there was a plan, you'll remember a while back, there was this outfit that, that wanted to spend, or at least they said they were going to spend all sorts of money, and they were going to convert Northridge into this, this Asian mall where they featured you know, products from, from China, etc. That, that never took off. People who are familiar and friends of mine who are familiar with the real estate industry around here and the shopping situation, they always said that was just completely and totally pie in the sky, that, that the costs of of doing what you needed to do to rebuild Northridge and to make it serviceable together with you know where where shopping malls are that it was never going to happen so in any event that the city's plan to demolish Northridge mall ha- has now gone through so again pending some sort of appeal the, the wrecking balls are going to come out now it's interesting the the mayor who has been pushing for this and and I agree with him on this you know he says the dilapidated former mall had become a threat a hazard a threat to health and safety which I think is absolutely true he says this is what's interesting though this is the mayor the Northridge mall site has great potential and I am hopeful that that potential can be realized in the not too distant future our number 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line the Northridge Mall site has great potential, and I am hopeful that that potential can be realized in the not-too-distant future. All right, let's tee this up. What What is the future of that, that space? Is there really any sort of potential there? What should be done with all that vacant land or soon-to-be-vacant land on uh, on uh, set starting at 76th and Brown Deer Road and going out to like 84th Street. I mean, what what is the future that the mayor envisions, and does that site really have great potential? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to join us, this is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The city has been given, at least so far, the long overdue authority to come in, condemn the Northridge property, essentially level the buildings that remain there. That leaves you with about a hundred acres. The mayor says he thinks it's got got great potential. I guess my question is, does it? And and what do you see going in there, Jeff? Uh, here's just a couple of texts before we go to the calls. Northridge has limited potential until the crime saturated community that surround it um, changes. Jeff, half of the buildings on Brown Deer Road are empty. If that area had great potential, those buildings would be full. Um, well, yeah, there, there's that. Jeff, um, unlimited potential if the trolley goes there. I assume that's uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, let's see. Jeff, Northridge Mall is only a hazard to trespassers. It's not the role of government to dictate how people how they use their property. Now, see, I, I disagree with that. I mean, you, we we close down, we condemn buildings all the time. Mark in River West says, I don't foresee any use for it, especially where it's located. If it had any value, it would still be open like Mayfair Southridge or Brookfield Square. Well, yeah, I think if anybody thinks it's going to make a, a resurgence as, as a retail operation, that's just not understanding, you know, where retail operations are now. But, okay, what what is the purpose, or does it have a purpose? Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first of all, to the individual, this is not a crime-ridden area. When you look at the crime statistics of the city of Milwaukee, we have one of the lowest in, in the northwest side in this particular Northridge area. But my point is, is that yes, it's, it's, it has great potential. The fact is, is that the Target store that uh, closed a couple of years ago has now turned into it's a one across company. the street, right? Yeah, exactly. A business went in there right away that nobody was hesitant about moving here or not. They went in there and they they did what they had to do. They revamped the building and everything. Menards is still here, and I'm sure that they 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 hope that the that the other side where uh, uh, they're they're located uh, it's torn down. So maybe they might be want to expand. Uh, Penzi's had an idea to come in here. So I'm sure once it's torn down, there, there, there are going to be people who want to come in uh, into this area. The fact is, brown deer is a major thoroughfare. When you look at, you know, I know we're, uh, when you look at all the uh, basically uh, the, the fast food restaurants, they're basically always packed during, during lunchtime and, 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 and different times of day because people come down this road. So, yeah, I think there's, there's great potential once Northridge is torn down, when, torn down. What do you think it's going to be? Do you think retail or do you think something other than retail? Because i got to tell you, Vincent, I don't, I don't see retail making a comeback. I mean, maybe you could have a standalone stores, but, I, I mean, shopping centers are struggling now. I, people, do you think people are going to build, build store, retail mm-hmm. stores in there? No, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be retail stores. I think, uh, I think it's either going to be light industrial I think it's going to be either Menards expanding or somebody coming in putting in a uh, putting in, in a, a, a warehouse or something like that or, or selling to sell and selling out of the warehouse. But I, I don't think no. Uh, we've got too many uh, uh, small uh, what they call the, these little areas where where like the, like the caller did say that uh, hey they're, that they're empty. You know these little strip yeah. malls. We got we got too many of them already empty. So so no, I don't think it's going to be business. Yeah, thanks for calling, Vince. To the extent, yes, I, I I agree with that. To the extent that that Northridge is anything, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you hope it's going to work out. Um, I guess if you if you set the right price, you clear off that space, you set it at the right price, and, and maybe you could induce some companies to come in and, and then set it up for some sort of manufacturing thing, which you know would would definitely help the surrounding area because if you bring you know workers in, then you're going to need. I don't know gas stations that are going to come in, maybe some more fast food places or whatever to to kind of you know that are close to where the, the they are. At at the same time, I mean that that's going to be the struggle from a retail perspective. To the extent shopping centers are doing okay, it, it does tend to be the, the smaller strip malls. That, I mean that's those are the areas. It's the places that have like the Jimmy Johns in them and the the cost cut cut or haircut place and, and maybe you know one of the little fitness gyms or something like that. Th- those are the places that have tended to do okay as opposed to kind of the traditional retail. Unfortunately, the idea that uh, if anybody thinks that it's going to be a shopping center again, no. Bottom line of this is I don't know if there's going to be enough interest to really revive it. So I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the mayor when he says it has great potential. Um, I think there's probably a lot of areas around the city or in the region that probably have more potential. But I do know this, you know, just just leaving it as is is not an acceptable sort of thing because the people that have this now, they don't have really any intention of doing anything with it. It is an eyesore. It is a danger. And the sooner they level it and then move on to try to see if they can make Plan B work, I think the better that's going to be. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back in the next hour of the program, 
All right, it might be a bipartisan effort to do something to make everybody's life a little bit easier. And what about a guaranteed salary for all the workers who have been laid off? We're going to talk about all that and a lot more in the next hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I'm getting a number of texts about comfort levels and risk balance. And it's going to be different for everybody as to what you're comfortable with. A couple people said, you feel comfortable going back to the health club? And my response is, I, I got to think that one through. That do I have any hesitation going to my favorite restaurant? No. Do I have any hesitation getting my hair cut as, as soon as I'm able to? No, absolutely not. Uh, the gym, I, I don't know where you're touching the same machines and stuff that everybody else touches. That's that's a different thing. And I know that there's some people who have no hesitation at all. Uh, water is going to find its own level. All right. Over the last few months, I, I've talked about this issue once or twice. It is an issue a consumer protection issue that I feel strongly about and I I thought it was going to happen and now I'm becoming more and more doubtful. It is the whole concept of what they call surprise medical bills and if you've ever been in this situation you know what I am talking about. I am not a big government guy but this is one where I think the federal government needs to step in. Here's the, the deal and maybe you have found yourself in this situation. You have insurance. Your insurance sets up different rates that you pay if you use a doctor or a medical facility that is, quote-unquote, in-network versus out-of-network. The way that works for people who have never dealt with this is that typically your your health provider, like your, your company, for example, will negotiate deals. And they'll negotiate a deal that says, okay, if the employees use a, a certain medical system, all right, you get a discount. And that discount gets passed on to the employees. Well, we're going to allow the employees to go out of network, to use different providers. But the deal is you don't get as much of a, of a discount. So maybe you have a deductible, for example. Let's say your deductible is $5,000 for the year if, if you use an in-network person. If you use out-of-network providers, maybe it's $10,000. That, that's just the way it works, in-network, out-of-network. So there is a huge incentive to employees, to people who have this insurance, to use the in-network provider. Okay, so let's say you're doing everything right. Let's say you're, you go to your primary care physician and they say, Jeff, you're overdue for that colonoscopy. You know, it, it's, it's time. You've got to set it up. To which Jeff says, okay, well, it's not my favorite thing, but you're right. I don't want to be stupid about this. Let, let's go. Wh- where do I go for the colonoscopy? And so your doctor says, Okay, well, we've got uh, Gru's, you know, you're part of the Gru Health Network. Well, okay, here, here's what we'll do. We'll set you up at, at, out at the hospital. I'll call. I'll have them get in touch with you. They'll make the appointment. So you're at your in-network doctor, primary care physician, who is sending you to the in-network hospital. And the guy that's going to, or gal, that's going to be doing the colonoscopy, they're in network. So you go, okay, well, this, this, is, this is fine. It's an in-network thing. I know I might have a little bit of deductible um, 
the colonoscopies are a bad example because a lot of times you, you don't have the deductible. It just gets paid for. But regardless, that, so that's my example. So you're thinking, okay, this is all cool. I, I'm going to be paying an in-network charge for this. So, all right, fine. The day comes. You do all the preparation stuff. You go out. You, you check in. Let's say the colonoscopy is at 9 in the morning. You get there at 8. You fill out all the stuff. You go. You change your clothes. You're sitting there. And, you know, you sign all the release forms. In walks maybe the, the doctor who's going to be performing this. They talk to you about a couple things. They check your medical history. Fine. All great. You're not thinking about anything. You're at the hospital. You've been referred to the hospital by your in-network doctor. The doctor that's going to be doing the colonoscopy is in-network. Don't think anything of it anesthesiologist comes in because they're going to knock you out to do this procedure asks you a couple questions fine that that's it you've never met the anesthesiologist before you didn't even know who's going to be performing the thing all right fine so you go in everything's fine get a clean bill of health it's all great until three weeks later you you get this this bill and there's a significant charge that you did not anticipate. The anesthesiologist, say, for example, charged you like $4,000 or $3,000 or $2,000 or whatever the number is. You go, well, well, wait a minute. And then you see it's this full charge. It's an out-of-network charge. And you go, well, how did this happen? Because I, I got referred there by my in-network doctor. I was in the system. Well, it turns out that unbeknownst to you, the anesthesiologist who was performing the procedure, he 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 was not in the freighter, I'm saying freighter, or, or Aurora, or, or whatever, um, network. He's not in that network. And so you're in a situation where you all of a sudden get this bill, everything else is in network, but the anesthesiologist is not. So you're getting this massive charge that you did not anticipate, and that would not have been really known to you in advance because you're sitting there waiting for the colonoscopy at the hospital that you've been sent to that is in fact in network and you know you're when the anesthesiologist you've never met before and you haven't scheduled comes in you're not going to be asking that person, well, I've got some questions. I mean, are you in network or out network? What are the charges are going to be? You're just assuming that it is all in network. So that is the surprise medical billing. Now, there are a number of hospital networks across the country, including some in Wisconsin, who, who've already started voluntarily taking steps to stop that from happening and, and saying, you know, that, that you're not going to get the out-of-network charge. There's a lot though of hospitals who haven't. So moving through Congress has been this legislation which, which had and has bipartisan support, which would essentially say you, you can't get billed, you can't get billed this large amount of numbers. What they would say is in that situation where you've got the out-of-network doctor, by law, what would happen is that doctor would have to agree to have the rate set, and the rate would be at, at the network rate essentially so you as the consumer you don't get this surprise you get what reasonable people would have anticipated well as you might expect out-of-network doctors aren't thrilled with this because it costs them or could cost them money because maybe you know you're the out-of-network doctor you're gonna bill four thousand dollars for the procedure but if you were in network you'd only be able to bill two thousand so the out-of-network doctors are, are fighting this and some hospitals, some, not all, are fighting this, saying, well, well, no, that's going to limit our ability to make money. Well, yeah, it's going to limit your ability to make money, but the money you're making is because it's a surprise bill to the consumer. So the, the legislation that's moving through Congress has been, it's going to set a rate. 
And, you know, you're not going to get charged more than you would otherwise get charged if you used a network physician in the example that I am giving. The network, out-of-network doctors don't like it. Some hospitals don't like it. And they are fighting this tooth and nail. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I don't, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, if you've ever got that, that rude awakening but I guess to me, this is sort of, of the no-brainer. We talk about, if we're trying to get a hold of health care costs in this country, we talk about the need for transparency. And I think it's fair to put some of that burden on the consumers, you know, make you more responsible for the type of care that you're using and make you more at least aware of what that type of care is going to cost. But in a situation like I just described, what you have is you have consumers who have no way of knowing, you know, what's going on. You think you're doing everything right. You've gone to the network primary care doc. You're going to the in-network surgical thing. You know that the doctor is in-network. You're at that hospital. And then all of a sudden, because you didn't ask, gee, whether or not the, in the case I'm giving is anesthesiologist, but you can come up with other examples. I don't mean to pick on them. But but because you didn't think to ask and you didn't even know who it was going to be until you show up at the hospital, and then what are you supposed to do? I mean, what's the patient supposed to do? Oh, I've got to run a check to see if, if you're in my network and how much is this going to be while you're sitting in the surgical gown five minutes away from getting rolled into your colonoscopy. 855-616-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is legislation that needs to go through. And, and interestingly, the reason I bring this up is, it, it's hung up right now in Congress, and some of the, the people who are some of the biggest advocates who have been pushing to eliminate this, well, they're they're getting ready to you know leave leave Congress. Um, Lamar Alexander from Tennessee, um, this has been one of his big pushes. Well, he's not running for re-election in November. He, he's moving on, and there's some concern that if some of the big advocates, if this doesn't get done soon. It might not get done. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. I think this is this is something that conservatives and liberals and Republicans and Democrats should be able to agree on. Yeah, no more surprise bills. Back with more in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, great topic. I'm dealing with this right now. My son is seeing a counselor, and the clinic itself is in my network, but they assigned him a doctor who's out of network. So far, 2019 charges have been referred to in-network. We're waiting on 2020 since the billing is very delayed. Let's talk to Jerry in Mequon. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I just went through the same thing two years in a row. Had a partial knee in 2018. They redid it in 2019, gave me a whole knee. The bills weren't even settled from the 2018 charges, and it was usually anesthesiologists or pathology reports because you, once your knee is taken out, the bone is taken out, it has to be sent in to be checked if you don't have cancer or something like that. So there's another charge on top of that. Right, and in your case, I mean, the, the pathologists, for example, you, you're, you're never, all you're going to do is you're going to see the summary of the report. You're not picking out who they send it to. You have no idea whether the person that's doing those tests is network or in-network. You're going to have no contact with them. It's just whoever, you know, the hospital sends that stuff out to. You have no way of saying yes or no. It just, it just happens, and then you get it on your bill, and it's a surprise. 
Well, and then this, this last one, I fought tooth and nail. It was Aurora, and I fought tooth and nail back and forth between the insurance company and the hospital and the doctors and everything. And finally, I think it's because I just kept going after it. I didn't sit back and just wait for a right. bill to come. They finally called me and said, hey, it's covered. Yeah. <laughs> the, day the, yeah. the day the lady from Aurora called, I was ready to jump down her throat because I thought, <laughs> oh, no, here we go again. And she told me it was right. covered. So I was like, good. Finally, something right. went my way, you know. Thanks for the call, Jerry. I appreciate it. And again, that I mean, I have a text here that says, Jeff, do we need the nanny state to save people too lazy to do their homework? Is this China now? Okay. I'm counting to three. One, two, three. It's not a question of people being too lazy to do the, the work. What I'm saying is that when it, when it comes, I, see, I'm the big believer in transparency. And I believe that yeah, if we're going to get a hold of, like I was saying earlier, you know, medical bills, we have to put more responsibility on, on consumers. You have to be you know, smarter and you have to take more responsibility for some of these medical decisions you make. My point is, in this area that we're talking about with these surprise medical bills, that the consumer just doesn't know. It, the, the way the system is set up, it's not like, oh, gosh, you go to buy a car, and you go to the car dealer, and, okay, you there's there's a Honda dealer on one corner, and then a mile away there's another Honda dealer, and so you can go and you can you know what car you want, and you can comparison shop and make all those decisions. You can't do that in the medical industry. So, I mean, to me, is it responsible to say, and I think it's reasonable to say, gee, Doc, okay, you're in this network. You've referred me to somebody else in network to do this particular procedure. I'm at the in-network hospital. I, I've, I've never met nor have I picked the anesthesiologist. And I don't mean to pick on them, but that's just the example. I, I've never met this person, but I'm assuming, and I think validly so, that the, the guy that's going to be doing this procedure is in-network just like everybody else. And in this law wouldn't say that that doc doesn't get paid. It would just say that the doc has to get paid at the same rate that he would if he was otherwise in that network, which protects the patient who's done everything right from getting that, that huge, gee, you thought the bill, you thought this was going to be covered, and now you're on the hook for thousands of dollars of medical care. Armando and Racine. Armando, you're on WTMJ. Yes, I totally agree with you. Something, something needs to be done or regulated somehow. I had the same thing happen to me last year. I had it happen to me this year. But because it happened to me last year, I specifically asked. I was referred to a different position for an MRI. I specifically asked, is this going to be in my network because this has happened before? And they said, yes, they are within your network. When I got there for the procedure a week later, I checked again. Are you in my network? I want to make sure you're in my network. Yes, we're in your network. Went on ahead and did the MRI. I get a bill from an out-of-town uh, radiologist who did the reading of my MRI who's not within my network. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're going, wait a second, I did my homework. I did all these things. I asked these questions. I asked the right questions, and now I'm getting this surprise exactly. medical bill. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, medical costs are so astronomical to begin with, and then you right. get hit with these unexpected, unexpected bills, you know. It's just unbelievable. No, I, I, it is. No, thanks to call, Armando. And I, I appreciate it. And, and look, I, I understand that some of the out-of-network docs are opposing this. I get it because 
instead of being able to bill $4,000, maybe you only have to bill $2,000. Okay, I get it. No, Nobody likes making less money, but the question becomes from a consumer perspective, what is fair? Some of the hospital systems don't like it because, you know, they get a chunk of that, so they make less money. But the point is that I think this is, it's borderline deceptive. Now, it's not overt fraud, because, I mean, in his case, nobody actually told him that, gee, we're sending this over to, you know, the, the radiologist who's going to look at this. And you never asked us whether the radiologist was in network or not. But, you know, he, he's done all the other things right. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm not even sure he knew the thing was going to get looked at by a radiologist. Uh, Jeff, we had twins that was sort of text that were premature. They were in the NCI's, in NC the NICU for roughly a month. Once we got the kids home, the bills started coming in. Never were we told that the NICU doctors were out of network. This created an additional $20,000 in bills. I spent hours on the phone over a period of months, finally got them to agree to charge me in network, thankfully. But it took a lot of work on my end and some not very nice um, conversations. Jeff, this just happened to us. My doctor, my midwife, the hospital, all in my network. Our doctor decided to come 10 weeks early, and unbeknownst to us, the NIC unit was not, even though it sat inside the hospital. Um, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I think um, that's it. Jeff, why does an automotive repair business have to give you an estimate and the hospital doesn't have to? Well, that's another interesting question as well. I'm just saying... And again, I'm not a big government guy. And, and I, I think that, you know, in some cases, there's let the consumer beware. And sometimes if deals are too good, sound too good to be true, that's because they probably are. But in this particular situation, we want transparency. We want to encourage consumers, all of us, to be smart, to do our research, to check things out, to try to be responsive and, and not run into urgent cares when we don't need it, not run into emergency rooms. We go into urgent cares and to be respectful and responsible and figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to have the procedure done and to be cost sensitive. That's what we want. But at the same time, when you do all those things, you shouldn't get shafted. Because, gee, you didn't know that they were going to send this off to a radiologist who wasn't in network, so get ready for a whole bunch more in bills. This is a law that needs to pass, and it's a law that Republicans and Democrats should agree upon, and it's a law that, gov- that uh, President Trump should be willing to sign, and they need to get it done before the November elections. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.